there's a purpose for the valley of the shadow of death. There's a purpose for the table being set before man. Who set the table? We didn't set it. God set it. And where did he set it? In the presence of his, our enemies. And so there's a purpose for our enemies. There's a purpose for uh, suffering. Many people are wrestling with the impact this coronavirus pandemic has had on their lives. Others are speculating about how our lives will change for better or worse afterward. Everyone has questions, and believers may be wondering, why did God let this happen? This week, Gary talks with Keith Holloway, Senior Director of Missions Development at World Challenge, about why God allows suffering in our lives. Before we join Gary and Keith, we want to let you know that World Challenge has a video devotional called 86 Seconds, which offers you quick biblical encouragement. Sign up and receive weekly support in your walk with Christ at worldchallenge.org. Your prayers and support for World Challenge make a difference. We would not be able to create podcasts like this one without generous listeners like you. Thank you for making this and other World Challenge resources possible. And now here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Hello everybody, Gary Wilkerson here. Uh, you may look behind me and see this is a very, very different location than where we normally are on our podcast. And uh, if I gave you three reasons to guess why you're seeing a different setting and <clears throat> why uh, my friend, I'm about to introduce Keith Holloway is on the other screen, uh, is obviously because of the stay at home orders. <clears throat> we are all having to do that. And But not only is <clears throat> that one change, there's even a, probably a more profound change in our, uh, what we're about to do today and over the next 10 to 12 weeks, Lord willing, uh, is, a, is a bit of a shift in the Gary Wilkerson podcast, the shift from um, something that has more been more pastoral care, counseling, uh, issues of how to help someone who's on drugs, how to help a marriage, uh, dealing with your own health issues, dealing with exercise issues, uh, sort of that. Uh, we were really gearing in on the first year of the Gary Wilkerson podcast uh, that you might become whole, W-H-O-L-E, and holy, H-O-L-Y, uh, complete in Christ's spirit, soul, and body. So there's that that sense of uh, God caring for the fullness of the man. And talked about some issues maybe that aren't talked about in churches and from the pulpit or books quite as much as is uh, the, the, the fullness of health. One of the things I, I've noticed is that I, I think I become most healthy when I am... Uh, most in tune with God when I am seeking his face, when I'm studying scripture. Um, I, I can look to counseling, and I do. I've been to counseling before. I probably need a whole lot more. Um, and uh, so, so you know, obviously I haven't spent a year on this podcast talking about some of those deeper issues, uh, those issues of, of the counsel of the heart, uh, without caring deeply for those issues. But but one of the things I'm recognizing as I get older, the, the, the more I have, uh, I guess what A.W. Tozer calls the knowledge of the holy the more I go into the depth of knowing the nature and character of God, uh, the more uh, the more it transforms my life. The, the, seeking my own glory seems to diminish the glory uh, uh, of my life. If uh, seeking God's glory seems to enhance His His the revelation of His glory in my life, and I see things more glorious in, in my life. Not that I get more glory, but God is more glorified in my life. So, so I've asked uh, my dear friend of what, how long, Keith, 40 years or has it been that 40 quick? 40 years. So uh, I've asked Keith to come on. Uh, I really trust his um, understanding of the word of God, of theology, of doctrine, of the nature and character of God. Uh, he has challenged me on some, uh, some really deeper issues. And, and when I say deep, you know, I don't mean... Uh, book smart. I don't mean mm, lifeless doctrine. <clears throat> I don't mean uh, um, 
bookwormish <laughs> theology. I, I mean, life-giving theology, things that are, are uh, you know, the, the, the hidden things. You know, the, the Bible talks about that proverb where uh, it, God gives wisdom to the king and God has wisdom, but the king's heart searches it out. And so uh, Keith has searched that out. Keith is uh, one of the directors of, of our overall of missions program. Keith helped uh, create really the uh, poverty solutions aspect of World Challenge, uh, helping uh, probably now hundreds of thousands have been touched and impacted by the teaching and the life transformation and so many salvations and churches planted pr primarily in Africa, but in, in Cambodia, Southeast Asia, all around the world. So not only is he a theologian, but he's a missionary. And not only is he a theologian and a missionary, but he's my friend as well. And he's married and has how many kids do you have, Keith? Six. Six kids. That is incredible. And uh, your favorite, uh, your favorite uh, uh, in-law, uh, your kids, all, several of them, how many of their kids are married, of your six kids are married? Four out of the six. Four out of the six. And out of those who got married, do you have a favorite uh, son-in-law or daughter-in-law out of all the... <laughs> Setting you up here, you have to say no. The right one. no. Oh man, what about? No, what? And I don't have any Bible verses to support that, other than <laughs> we're to owe no owe no man anything but love. So I love all of them. All of them. Oh, that's sweet. Well, <laughs> can you tell the audience what I was hinting at at least? What I was fixing yeah. for there? Sure, sure. Most people probably don't know, but my oldest son married your only daughter. And they uh, are building their family. They have one son, uh, Oliver. And um, we're blessed to have had this. It's not something that we planned, right? We just let everyone know we did not do any kind of uh, parental uh, marriage agreement or covenant. Uh, but it worked out that way, and it's been a blessing to each of our families. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't planned, but uh, I don't know if I ever told you this or not, Keith, but it was prayed for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Keith's son, Ryan Holloway, was my, uh, and this is Keith, I don't know if I mentioned your last name, Keith Holloway, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Keith's son, Ryan Holloway, when I was pastoring at the Springs Church here in Colorado Springs, uh, was our worship leader, and still is the worship leader at Springs Church, so um, my daughter, who works for me at World Challenge, and Keith's son, uh, who works for Springs Church as a worship leader, uh, they have a lovely family and just so love, so deeply in love with the Lord. It's great to see another generation uh, being raised up in the the things things of God. Good, all right, Keith. Um, so, just uh, anything I missed on uh, things that would help people be aware of who you are? Or... No, I think you've covered that well. Okay, we've got okay. a long relationship. Uh, we've. Uh, been a lot of places and we've done a lot of things and God has kept us uh, as friends uh, for, as you say, close to 40 years. 25 of that has been for me, uh, actually as a staff member under you at World Challenge. And um, it's been a blessing to my life and to my family. And uh, I'm happy to be with you again today. And, uh, you know, theology is, uh, is important. It's important to me. I think it should be important to most everyone, but simply means the study of God. Uh, we're to go beyond just the reading and the casual uh, glance at the things of God. We have to study deep and pray hard, and we've got to dig out treasures. And this is a good time in our lives and in the global situations to see and hear what God is saying and some things we need to remember and some things we need to hear new. So it's a good opportunity for us to get together and to share and uh, 
excited about what God's going to speak through both of us uh, and through his word as we study together. Good, good. Thanks. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for being on today. Um, so let's, do, let's go ahead and start digging right in. Um, we are in the midst of a uh, viral crisis around the world. Uh, 40,000 at the time I'm recording this with you, 40,000 plus Americans have passed away from the coronavirus and 100, and, I can't remember, 150,000 or so, 160,000 or more around the world and it's affected every nation. I've been in 72 nations, you've been in many as well. And so we have friends around the world that are, have been hospitalized and suffering from this. Um, and I, I think we, we're in a season right now where we, um, as bad things that are happening and difficult things are happening, that there, there is an opportunity in the church for us to maybe awaken from a, a nominal um, uh, hyper-faith and prosperity, uh, feel-good, uh, social club, church, the... Uh, the, the 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 motivational messages that come on Sunday mornings, you know, that, those aren't cutting it anymore. People are realizing it's like, okay, you know, you promised me, uh, you know, everything's going to be a blessing, and this is the year of favor, and this is the year of prosperity, and this is the year of transfer of wealth, and all those uh, things that many people call prophetic messages to the church. And then those who aren't in the prophetic stream of things are, you know, oftentimes coming to uh, church life or the pulpit with uh, – Kind of lighter touch things just sort of feel good uh, messages uh, and, and so i think people are hungry for something deeper now and and maybe even at the hand of god being somewhat involved in this to some degree we'll talk about that as well what your feelings on where god is in the midst of this <clears throat> but i think the there's a there's a potential here for the church to um, be revived come into a, a move of holiness come into a, a season of revival and, and spiritual awakening and not just sort of more souls, I believe that'll be the case, and that would be great. But more depth as well, more breadth and more depth. So, so we're in a season right now where people are, um, you know, look, looking for answers, and 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 I'm afraid sometimes the answers end up becoming like, don't fear, or you're going to be okay, or God's with you, and all those things are amazing. Love, love them. But I think we go a little deeper and see, you know, what, you know, who is God, and what is He doing? <laughs> you know, what is He doing in a season like that? So, so uh, I just wanted to start with, uh, you know, in times like this. Uh, the, there, there's there's people are suffering. Do you think people are uh, have any interest in knowing uh, why these things happen or uh, where is God in the midst of all these things? I do think they are. They have that very thing, Gary. Um, uh, let's be honest. Sometimes we may ourselves ask what in the world is going on and why these things are happening. I recently ran across um, an interesting article from Hugh Welchel, who is the uh, executive director of the Institute of Faith, Works, and Economics. And um, he he had uh, put out a, um, this is, it was an article I read, but it, it happened a, a few years back, but he, he did a national survey um, and, and asked people in the survey, if you could ask God one thing, what would you ask him? And the number one reply that came back was, uh, why is there suffering in the world? Hmm. Um, I found that interesting, even though that's a few years ago, and surely now with the circumstances, what they are, uh, people are wondering, people are asking, and uh, they're seeking. And uh, unfortunately, I think what they can find would run the gamut of answers, and uh, it's incumbent upon uh, us to know what uh, the Bible says about who God is and 
how he works and acts uh, through mankind. And yeah, I think that question of why is there. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the some of the. Um, do you have um, do do you have a grip on what are some of the answers people have when they ask that question? Uh, answers as to. To, to uh, so you said that 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 study asked you know why is there suffering? Uh, what what do you think are some of the predominant answers that, that are most commonly given, or or what are some of the answers you would give to uh, why God uh, why is there suffering uh, in a world that God created? Right. Um, well, I think to to keep it in the proper perspective, I think we obviously have to go back and look uh, at things from the beginning. And, you know, when we uh, that hold to a biblical worldview, we hold that the, the Bible is God's word, that it is true, it is sound, uh, it reflects who he is, it reveals who he is to us. As we get to know who God is and how he works on the earth, we gain understanding uh, of, the, of the past, the present, and the times to come. So in Genesis, it lays out, I think, the, the premise of this. And, and, and essentially, it's just the fall of man. Uh, that that time period of uh, initial creation, creation itself was a revelation of who God was. Uh, and remember, uh, I read this the other day. I found it interesting. Remember, as he was going through uh, the six days of creation, at each day, he would review the work of his hands, and he would say, it is good. And he went through those days of process creation, and then he he looked at everything and he said, it's good, it is very good. And so that goodness is the goodness of God. It was reflected in creation, it was reflected in the creation of man. Uh, it was, goodness was uh, the ultimate that's being reflected. His plans, his purposes, and his intents uh, were good. They were meant to reflect who he is to to those that were on the earth and, and those that would come. Uh, many people look at that and say that was a time of innocence. Uh, it was a time of original creation, but in original creation, there was original sin. So I think that suffering began uh, when Adam and Eve, uh, operating uh, in their own free will, chose to sin against the commands of the Lord. And the commands that God gave also reveal uh, reveals that he is God, that he is the sovereign. He's the one that issued those decrees, the commands. Uh, it's an extension of his power and authority, and they chose to disregard that. And so, yeah, the, the, the suffering, I think, has its origins in that original sin, and, um, and it has fallen upon man himself uh, from Adam until now, but it has also fallen upon creation. All creation we know out of Romans says that creation is groaning. It's under the weight of corruption and decay. Uh, it's it's a progressive thing that's happening. And, you know, I would say uh, that creation itself is longing to be made right because it's suffering. It's not as it was originally intended. Right. So yeah. that's where I see the suffering beginning is uh, through the sin of man. Yeah. <clears throat> the... Um... The the um, the why the why or, or where does suffering come from? Where does where does viruses come from? Where does cancer come from? Where does an earthquake come from? Where 
you know, and so I've kind of let me throw out a little bit of a, a worldview I have on that, and then you uh, push back. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention too, as over the next 10 to 12 weeks, as we're talking, Keith, um, <clears throat> even though we're on the same staff and been friends for 40 years, um, uh, <clears throat> this is not sort of like we are presenting world challenge doctrine. You know, this is our hearts, our view of scripture. And so we can kind of go back and forth a little bit. We don't have to agree. I know we were talking last week and there was one item, and I'd like to talk about that today that we didn't see necessarily eye to eye on. And I'd like to learn from you about that iron, iron sharpening iron. So it's, this is not sort of just a, uh, we're not doing our uh, world challenge confessions uh, or doctrinal statement here. Um, but uh, so I, I have, uh, I, I think there's four possibilities. There's probably a lot more, but, but, these are categories that I see uh, that suffering, uh, things like cancer or sickness, <clears throat> things like uh, uh, various diseases or earthquakes or famines, uh, tsunamis can either come from, some people say they come from nature, just, um, <clears throat> and, and that has subcategories, uh, nature uh, as a, <clears throat> under a deism uh, that God created the world, they, they call it the watchmaker, he made the watch and then just let it tick. And sometimes it decays and sometimes the clock strikes things the wrong way and bad things happen just because that's how creation uh, has unfolded over time. So that's deism. And there's, of course, atheism, which uh, believes everything's just chance and random. There was a big bang and mm. things heated up and then melted down and then uh, formed into uh, globs. And then life came on that and just uh, stuff's going to happen. And it's it's just uh, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no meaning. There's no purpose behind it all, which is why a lot of mm. atheists tend, you know, end up uh, in despair. Uh, and then, then there's the kind of more the, the I, I would say the theistic view of chance and nature is that that God in his sovereign will chose to create an earth that just has natural elements to it. Um, two, two winds fronts are going to hit and a tornado will be caused by that. God didn't necessarily up in heaven stir his finger around also and there's a tornado. Um, earth, the tectonic plates hit one another and they shake. God didn't necessarily push his hand down on it and uh, you know, metaphorically the hand uh, on it and cause the earth to shake. And so there's this theistic view that uh, even though God's not distant from it, he's part of it. Uh, he's not actually uh, forming it. It's just letting nature run its course. Uh, the other one is uh, sin. Sin entered earth and there was a fall. And because of the fall, there's now uh, difficulties. We, we can read maybe a little bit later if we have some time, Romans 8.20 about subjecting things to futility and, um, you know, that even the, the earth is groaning. And so there's that sense that that that, that because of sin, uh, the third one is man's fault because, uh, you know, the curse of man, uh, that's in that Genesis, you were referring to the Genesis 3 passage there. Uh, so, so that, you know, that all falls. falls on. So there's, there's the uh, chance, uh, there's uh, sin, there's man, and then the fourth one is Satan. So Satan is... Um, you know, devious, wicked, evil, out to kill, steal, and destroy. Therefore, he causes earthquakes. He causes famines. He causes sin. He causes wars. He he causes disease. And and I and the, so there's four views. There's the fifth one I think is one I take, and it's it's all, all four of those elements are actually functioning. Uh, Satan is Satan is ravaging out, out of out of evil that God did not God did not create evil. Uh, Satan, Satan is the one who creates evil. Um, man uh, joins in with Satan as a partner. Uh, sin has, has caused the, the effect of the fall. And then the, the one I don't believe is chance. I don't believe things are just random. 
I don't believe in a theism. I don't. I don't even believe in a, a, an absentee theism, uh, where just it, it just so happened that these two tectonic plates rubbed together and caused an earthquake. Uh, I believe there is the fall is part of that. Sin is part of that. Man is part of that. Satan is part of that. But I do believe, and I think you do too. I'm not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That God is over all that. <clears throat> Nothing happens that's outside of His. Um, stewardship. Nothing's outside of his knowledge, wisdom, and I would even say uh, control, I guess. That, that that word scares me a little bit, but I would say even uh, God is controlling things. So that's, all, I'm sorry, I went out a little long there, but uh, and if you caught all that, did, um, where where would you be in line with that or not aligned with that? No, I would align with that, Gary. Um, as you said, you know, option five is all the above. Uh, God, Satan, nature, man, uh, those are all sources of, uh, of uh, negative things, uh, the challenges that come on the earth. Uh, many may be struggling with the idea that God, uh, and we have to be careful here that we don't attribute things to God that maybe are not to be attributed, sure. but uh, simply as uh, possible sources, um, I agree with those four. Uh, when when you think of suffering and you think of uh, or maybe you maybe you think this way that when you think of suffering when you when people ask the question why they're trying to gain a, a bigger picture than what they currently have they're trying to seek something outside of themselves and and for us that hold to a biblical worldview we would say then that that is certainly God uh, and and we come to uh, put our suffering into the perspective of his sovereignty. Uh, and um, I, I think that that's vital. I know it's been for my own life, but I think it's vital for, for everyone to, to see that suffering um, has to be seen, has to be lived through uh, under that sovereignty of God. I was referring back again to Hugh Welchel, but he made a, he made a statement in a, his recent article this year about why Easter matters to me more now than ever before. He, he made this comment that says that you'll never be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil unless you believe in God's sovereignty. And uh, I, I, would, uh, I would agree with that statement. So I don't know, maybe we want to look at a few issues related to sovereignty mm -hmm. to be able to try to see ourselves and help others to see perhaps from the scriptures. Um, you know, I think people would struggle when they think of God causing things, uh, God being the causative force that brings this evil or wickedness or pain and suffering onto people. Yeah, let's definitely go to scripture because when you throw that out there, you're going to even have some people want to turn us off right now. They're going to say like, well, I don't want to hear that. You know, so hold on because uh, the, I think everything you're saying has very solid scriptural background to it and um, is clearly stated in, in scripture. And even if you disagree with that right now, uh, hold on and just, just see what we, the scripture have to say and how we're interpreting uh, scripture. And um, then, then you, then as you're listening, you, you, ju you judge that, uh, you know, you're talking about just real, real quick comment on Psalm 23 there. Yeah. They walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You know, that, that scripture starts off. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Starts off so peaceful, and then so therefore you think, okay, I can have peace for that. So in a time like coronavirus, that that first half of that sounds very exciting. Uh, you know, I'm not going to have any 
uh, I'm just going to lie down in green pastures and, uh, you know, there's a table set up. And all of a sudden it shifts, a table in front of my enemies. Well, a table in front of earthquakes, a table in front of uh, suffering, a table in front of cancer, a table in front of losing, uh, you know, like I think both of us have, we've lost uh, children in, um, uh, you know, childbirth or in miscarriages. And, you know, so, so there's, you know, we're, we're, we're suffering. And then that, so there's that shift that into, he walks me through the valley of the shadow of death and I will not fear evil. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's something, and maybe we'll get into it in another podcast. To, to me, there's, there's a purpose for the valley of the shadow of death. There's a purpose for the table being set before man. Who set the table? We didn't set it. God set it. And where did he set it? In the presence of his, our enemies. And so there's a purpose for our enemies. There's a purpose for uh, suffering. And, and again, the Bible's clear on that. And so, so we're really talking today about sovereignty and, and suffering. And uh, we're going to go about another 10 minutes, and then we're going to break for today. And then we're going to come back and talk more, a little bit about sovereignty and suffering. But let's take, let's take a shot at in the next 10 minutes of, um, of um, giving us maybe a bit of a definition, uh, some biblical references to the sovereignty of God. And then I have a couple of verses I'd like to look at as well that talk about the sovereignty of God being um, the the one who everything uh, submitted under that uh, and, and even the divine purposes of uh, suffering and the, and the difficulty things difficult things we see around us. So yeah, give us a shout out a shout out at uh, uh, a little bit about sovereignty of God. Sure. When I, when I approach this topic, um, uh, I feel something of like maybe what Job felt. Uh, in Job uh, 38, the Lord answered Job and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Uh, we have to be careful to think that we've got a corner on knowledge when it comes to these uh, uh, high and lofty concepts. And yet God being a God who reveals himself uh, speaks to us and he speaks to us as God. I mean, we, we so use the word and we so are comfortable with the concepts of God that we sometimes miss the depth and the, the, the impact behind that fact. But I, I guess um, Easton's Bible Dictionary gives a definition that I like that says that his sovereignty is his absolute right to do all things according to the pleasure, to, to uh, his absolute right to do all things according to his own pleasure. Of course, that echoes uh, for us today, like from Ephesians chapter one. But um, there's also another definition that I like as well, and it's a little more expanded that just says it's God having supreme power and authority to govern without, uh, uh, with complete control over all things without any interference from outside sources. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of suffering and sovereignty, I think it's the word sovereignty we begin to struggle with. Perhaps we could benefit by just saying today, suffering in light of God's ultimate control. Uh, you know, you're talking about Psalms 23. Um, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Um, and uh, it is God setting us at a, a place. Uh, uh, he has all things under his control. All things are under his sovereignty. I, I know one of the points that I wanted to share, if you'll permit me, Gary, is just to say that in light of sovereignty, I think coming to that point of control, we we sometimes might think that 
God having sovereign authority or sovereign control means that he is the author of everything that happens under his control. And I think that um, we find that under the sovereignty of God or under the control of God, God gives man free will. Uh, and then man chooses to do things, say things that are opposite you know, God's nature, opposite his plans and purposes. So he didn't really, uh, he wasn't the author of what man does, but things are still under his authority. So when we look at suffering, and today with all the suffering, people are wondering why, why me, why now, why this, my business, uh, my retirement, uh, my children's health, uh, so forth and so on. If we don't have a biblical worldview, if we don't have a solid view uh, of who God is and the fact that he is in control, then we'll find ourselves tossed and we'll find ourselves in a, in a even, a, I think, a greater place of suffering uh, because there is a suffering that happens in the mind of man, in, the, in that core of us, our mind, our will, and our emotions that can often way exceed any kind of physical suffering. So coming to that sovereignty, it reminds me that, you know, God, again, states in the Bible, and of course, we believe the Bible is the infallible uh, word of God. Jesus said these are words that have spirit and life. Uh, but he says that um, in, in Deuteronomy 4.35, the Lord himself is God. You know, it just states that as an absolute. It's not really open for discussion. Uh, there was no room to misunderstand. The Lord himself is God, and there is none other besides him. It speaks of the singularity of God, but it speaks of his ultimate uh, sovereignty. And again, uh, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking a few days ago about um, Genesis chapter 1, when God was revealing himself through his creative power and was saying, what I've done is good, it was the intense uh, intents and purposes of God to, to do good and to have that constant reflection of his nature. So we have to be careful when we look at God and say, uh, God causes evil. God is the author of uh, sin and sickness and disease and afflictions. Uh, I think we have to separate some of that authorship of that uh, and still see that God declares that he is God he is good, and that his plans and purposes are good. Yeah, and um, so nothing, the de definition there, nothing happens you know, outside of um, his, his, his desires in a sense. You know, not, I'm not saying he desires evil or, you know, that's, and that's, I think you're clarifying that very powerfully there, that uh, God is not the author of sin. God is not the author, creator of evil. Uh, he gave he gave angels and man free will, and there was mm -hmm. there was a turning from God, and, and yet God is not. Uh, and I think this is where you know we were talking about this again last week, where you were wondering. I think we we're seeing things a little bit differently. Is like uh, I was looking at that. That none of that stuff is uh, none of that stuff is like caught God by surprise. That uh, all of a sudden He said like, "Oh shoot, uh, you know I was." planning on uh, a good earth and it turned bad. So now let me scramble. Maybe we can send the sun down there and he could live for a while. And <clears throat> you think that'll work. You know, <clears throat> you know, my take on it was that the way the world is today with sin, suffering, uh, Satan on <clears throat> uh, alive and active for at least till he's um, uh, bound <clears throat> that, that that is the way 
uh, boy, it's hard to say. It's like that, that that is the sovereign will of God. It's not because if he is in charge of all things and that's the way things are, and I'm not saying he is in charge of sin. I'm, I'm agreeing with you there, but I'm saying he he uh, it's like it's like what we we're talking about earlier. These these man is, is is culpable for his sin. Satan is the creator and instigator of all evil and wickedness and and mm-hmm. uh, the fallen world. The, the creation groans. All those things happen. Uh, but all of them happen under the the banner of of God. So these things aren't. Uh, not only are they to me. My, here's my take on it. Not only are they they didn't surprise God, they were ultimately part of God's plan. Uh, he has a plan and purpose for all these things. And if we understand that, then we're not we're not living under the realm of a sovereign Lord who gets caught off guard and and like is maybe surprised by. Mm-hmm. The doctor saying you have cancer or a brain tumor or not surprised by your city being uh, hit by a tornado. He's not surprised by those things, but he, but he actually has uh, glorious plans and purposes. Uh, although Satan is, is the tool like he was with, with, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure even tools, right? Where the Satan, Satan was the propagator of the actual cause of, of um, Job's children's death and Job's disease. Uh, it wasn't like God had some disease in his hand and went, here you go, Job, you get that disease. And here's your son. It's like, I'm going to kill all of them. Uh, Satan was the instrument. Um, but but there was some of, uh, you know, so for me, there's there's such a great um, joy and comfort and peace, not just in somebody telling me, be peaceful in the midst of horrible things, or you're going to make it through, or or even worse, this prosperity gospel that's so heretical you're not going to be touched by this. Uh, you know, you you have, uh, you know, no weapon formed against you is prosper, which is biblically true, but but that doesn't mean that you're not going to be affected by these various things, these four elements plus God overseeing all, all those things. So do you think God was surprised um, that the world turned out the way it was? No. No, I, I think we can know for sure uh, part of his uh, attributes is that he's all-knowing, and he knew the end from the beginning, and he knew in the beginning the end, and uh, that is part of his sovereignty, that all things are under him, and all things are seen and known by him. Uh, I think that when when we look at the issue of suffering, and people are trying to make sense of it all, uh, I know that this is maybe like uh, Sunday School 101, but if we don't have a working knowledge, if we don't have a personal daily exposure to the word of God, if we're not having the counsel of the Lord brought to us and revealed to us by the Holy Spirit uh, from the Bible, then we find ourselves, I I think, very suspect in these kind of times. Uh, We can fall uh, prey to every wind of doctrine, so to speak. We can believe all the conspiracy theories and we can be diverted, we can be distracted. Uh, we can maybe even just out of human curiosity find ourselves spending more time uh, trying to search uh, ID 2020 and uh, so forth and so on to to captivate our mind. When in fact, if we if we dive into and we dig into God's word, we'll find God is saying from Genesis to Revelation, I am God, I am good, but equally I am just, and there are consequences uh, to sin. There are consequences to the fallenness of man in creation that happen. And uh, I think a follow-up question that people have say, okay, so what you're saying then 
is that this suffering that I'm going through right now, that's on the face of the earth, there are four possible sources. But uh, if I if I work through those things, you're saying ultimately all of that still comes under his sovereignty. And we would say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm reminded. Now, I don't know. Not everyone will go to Job at a time like this for encouragement. Right. But I think because I'm such a pragmatic kind of a guy, uh, and I and I do want to be careful that we don't find ourselves, Gary, doing what the Scripture prohibits, and that is being uh, pastors or ministry leaders and uh, speaking things to people that would just superficially help them. Right. We we want to try to 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 open some things up. Not that we're looking for everyone to agree, but even if we can instigate a, a, a curiosity, a, a hunger for people. So I went to Job looking at that, and what I found in chapter 37 is, says, stand still and consider the wonderful works of God, these wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. Uh, he is excellent in power, in judgment, and in abundant justice. He does not oppress and that that captivated me because it's saying that God in his sovereignty, he knows all things. He knows every person today. He's intimately acquainted with your sorrows. He's bearing your grief. He, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. And if we, again, find our comfort in Genesis's revelation of God, he is good. And his plans and purposes are good. You say, but this is not good. This is it's not fun. It's not good. It's devastating. Uh, sure, uh, these are these are the evidences of uh, of uh, tragedies and mishaps that happen, and this has taken over the world. But it does not change the fact that God is eternal. That and eternally, His attributes remain the same. In fact, being eternal is one of His attributes, and this is a place where. We have to step out and say, by faith, I'm going to believe what God says about himself, that he is a good God. Yes, the Bible says here he is excellent in power. He has all power. Well, why doesn't he step in and change things? Just the snap of his finger, he could put everything right. Because there are plans and purposes of God that we don't see. We don't always understand them. And we see through a glass darkly. But our dark glass doesn't mean that God is darkened. He is always revealing. He said, I am light, and in me there is no darkness. And I, I think so much that he's revealed himself so clearly that he does not oppress. He does not lay uh, uh, sickness and disease and infirmities. He does not originate those things on people. They are not tools that he puts on people in order to teach and to train them. Can we be taught and trained through our difficult times and our tragedies? Absolutely, because God can take what the devil meant for evil and he can turn it for good. And he, Paul said that in Romans, that all things work together for good. The good, the bad, the ugly, they all work together for our good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So there has to be an accounting that we make of saying, I am man, you are God. I want to understand you. I want to follow you. But there'll be some things I don't know, I don't see, I don't understand, things I don't agree with. But he's revealed himself. And uh, another aspect of his attributes is that he is immutable. He is unchanging. So the way he revealed himself in Genesis 
And the way he described himself and the way he related to Adam and Eve is the same way he desires to relate to us today. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, Keith. Yeah, thank you. I, I believe, and um, we'll wrap things up here, I believe that uh, we want, whether we know it or not, we want a God who's more sovereign than we believe he is, uh, than we think he is, not less. Mm -hmm. Our, I think our flesh, our carnal nature, wants God to be less sovereign and us to be more sovereign, us to be a little more in control, our free will to be a little stronger than maybe it actually is, uh, so that we can determine our own futures, uh, we can um, confess our own futures, we can uh, uh, will our way into things, we can work our way into things, uh, rather than trusting in the good and great, uh, immutable, unchanging, all-wise, all-knowing, uh, all presence everywhere at all time, almighty, you know, even we're talking about sovereignty of God here today. I was reading something recently, uh, many of the words that we we uh, see in scripture, um, you know, that uh, the, the almighty and the word sovereign and almighty, the, the translation from the Hebrew is, is is a similar word. There's that, that sovereign that means almighty. We want a God who's almighty. I, I don't want, I don't want a God. It doesn't matter what I want. God is God, but uh you know, I want to know the God of the Bible, and that God of the Bible is not in a hand-to-hand -hand cosmic battle with Satan on equal footing, uh, as if God is sovereign, but so is Satan, uh, or free will has given Satan uh, a determinative uh, factor in uh, all events and all people's lives. That mm, I think the determinative factor is God and God alone, and uh, Satan is certainly at war at, at the determining factor of God, but but it's not it's not a uh, it's not tit for tat it's not uh, yin and yang it's not uh, um, you know uh, equal ground uh, Satan is 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 minuscule compared to the sovereign power of God so let, let's pause here for a while um, we'll take a quick break we'll come back for us it'll be a few seconds for those listening it'll be next week uh, but uh, come back next week because we're going to continue talking about uh, next week let's Keith let's talk. Uh, Real definitively, you give us a de definition. Let's repeat the definition of sovereignty. Let's look at a few more scriptures, and then let's talk about uh, suffering. Uh, and, and again, I want to talk about Genesis 3, Romans 8, and uh, a couple, and maybe look at Job a little bit more. And so we'll do that when we come back. Keith, thanks for thanks for joining me, and I look forward to talking more with you real soon. Okay. Thank you, Gary. Blessings, buddy. Talk to you later. Bye bye now. We may not know what the future holds, but we do know that God is in control. He allows times of hardship in our lives to bring us closer to Himself and help us grow. Whatever may be happening in your life right now, we hope that this podcast reminds you of the great hope you have in Christ. Tough times may darken the world, but this is when God's light in our lives shines brightest. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigginton with video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Join us next week as Gary and Keith continue their discussion on suffering and God's sovereignty.